Oh, Jesus, I'm in uncharted territory here, guys. Welcome to Arcade Attack. A retro gaming podcast for up to four players. Yo, welcome again to Arcade Attack. I'm Rob, and joining me are Adrian. Oh, yeah, baby. And Dylan. Hello, mate. I'm here. And uh, Now, we all have many choices in life, but I don't think any game has kind of made that point or made, forced you to make so many choices as quickly as a game called Dragon's Lair, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm guessing everyone around here has played one time or another. Oh, man, I haven't played it for yonks, like, but it is... It's something that needs to be talked about, isn't it, really? I used to uh, love it on the Amiga, actually. I thought it was a good version. I don't know how they got the graphics so good. Um, yeah. That is a remarkable thing, actually, about Dragon's Lair. Like, yeah. I've not played a bad version of it. Yeah. It's, there's all been, like, faithful versions, but I'm sure Rob will tell us about that and things in a short while. Yeah, it's interesting, because Dragon's Lair is a game that really divides uh, opinion. Like, even when it was kind of being... came out in 1981, but even when it was kind of being reached in the 90s, you would get kind of reviews that one would be 91, 92%, the other would be like 40-something percent. Ooh. It is a very, very divisive game. I suppose, it, yeah, but what, why is that? Why Why is that? Uh, Rhetorical well, question. Well, <laughs> we'll uh, get into that when we go into the <laughs> gameplay yeah. later on. But yeah. uh, what one person do you say is most responsible for the success of Dragon's Lair? Adrian knows. Uh, um well, it wasn't. I don't. I can't remember the names now. But it's developed. It's developed by two two men, wasn't it? But I think it was. I don't know. The, uh, I would say it was technically neither of those men. I would say it's a man called Don Bluth, who's uh, best known not for video gaming but um, for general animation. Oh yeah, yeah. A little bit of background about Don Bluth. He uh, worked for Disney like back in the day as one of their the main animators. Bell now. Yeah. Uh, worked in Robin Hood, Winnie the Pooh, and Tigger Two, and The Rescuers, and directed animation on a film called Pete's Dragon. Oh, oh we know that. Yeah. 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 Uh, I wasn't that familiar with it, but um, yeah, it's a cartoon dragon with live action people. Yeah, years yeah, and yeah. years before uh, Roger Rabbit. Nice. I have to say, Disney they get their critics, but those old classic animation films. They're ahead of the time. They're brilliant. Let's be honest. The mm. animation is so You're wrong for so many reasons, but yeah, they, they have provided things that we've enjoyed for, yeah. for many years. Yeah, but like, uh, Don Bluth was a man with a dream, and that dream did not involve working for Disney. Ooh. So, uh, face Disney. For about four and a half years, he and a few other animators were working on a short uh, feature called Banjo the Woodpile Cat. Banjo the Woodpile Cat. No, uh, no. Uh, the only banjo right I know is Banjo Kazooie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty sure you can watch it on YouTube, but Banjo the Woodpile Cat, I think it was 25 minutes short, took four and a half years to make, uh, you know, and that was the first release by a new company called Don Bluth Productions. Ah, yes, Don Bluth Productions. I like Don. He sounds like he's a go-getter. He doesn't want to be stuck by Disney's contracts. Yeah. He sounds like he's going to be his own man. I yeah, love this. Which, you could literally say he's the Don. Yeah, which is what he yeah. did. 
And, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway, this, uh, kind of, this short feature, uh, basically kind of set the tone for a lot of what the kind of Don Bluth kind of stuff would be. Uh, very lush animation with like kind of child, like mm. anthropomorphic animals kind of like trying to like negate, like trying to navigate like an adult world. Uh, yeah. but down, more down to earth than Disney and, uh, American accents, which, like Disney at that time, 60s, 70s, was very British, like leading. Yeah. I think about 101 Dalmatians, mm-hmm. Aristocats, Robin Hood. Yeah. Didn't think of that. You're right, though. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, anyway, after that, they did a short animated sequence for the 1980 film Xanadu, which I'm guessing no one has seen. Xanadu. That's the one. Cause, Xanadu. Because, <laughs> uh, it's awful and has awful music in, but he did. Uh-huh. Xanadu. Yeah, that's a bad song. Uh, Anyway, um, that kind of thing wasn't amazing, but by now they've got financing from a fledgling production company called Aurora Productions to make their first full-length feature, which was The Secret of Nim. I'm, ge- I'm guessing that's how you okay. pronounce it. And I, it's actually N-I-M-H. It's Is an it acronym. The ninja for the <laughs> dimension. Oh, hold on. Ne- hold on. Say that again. N-I- N-I-M-H. N-I-M-H. Oh, Nim. So it's not, not like Neve, not like the, not the, not the Irish name. No. Um, oh, Nim. Yeah, it must be Nim. I mean, like, it, anyway, it's based on a children's book called Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. Yeah. Uh, it was apparently gonna, they were going to make a new version of that, but that doesn't really seem to be happening right now. It's about a female f- uh, field mouse with a sick child who has to basically go on a quest to save him by getting help to move him before the field gets plowed. Mrs. They live in a field. Mrs. Frisbee. Yeah. That sounds like it will make me cry, and I don't like watching things that will make me cry. I heard they were writing the script for that, but it just kept coming back and back to him again. They had to start again. It's a bit like that that kind of premonition you get when you're in the, um, like Blobbusters or something. <laughs> something similar no, but to as... Blobbusters, and your kid is reaching for Watership Down. And you're like, no, don't read, don't read that. Yeah. Well, uh, I, oh, I was talking about the Frisbee coming back, but okay. I know, that's a boomerang. <laughs> Frisbees don't come back. <laughs> they Only the bad ones. Anyway, the cast has um like a seventies character called Elizabeth Hartman played the lead, but also Derek Jacobi, John Carradine, Ooh. Dom DeLuise, and in very early roles, Shannon Doherty and Will Wheaton as the mice children. Boom. Wow. Yeah. Will Wheaton who has blocked us on Twitter, FYI. <laughs> Why? Anyway, carry on. That's it. Yeah, he uh, must Bandbot. He, he must think that we're a fasc- that, that that we're fascists or something. We got caught in a bandbot. Yeah, that's probably yeah. Bandbot. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this film, lots of cool animation techniques, rotoscoping, backlighting, like multiple color schemes of different types of light, like depending on kind of what, like what kind of situation the characters in, it looked amazing, and also fairly successful, like seven point six rating on IMDb. Mm. $14.7 million box office and a $7 million budget. Nice. So what do you think uh, Don Bluth Productions did next? Something very similar. They went bankrupt. They, no! <laughs> they filed for they bankruptcy. Just... Uh, the box office was okay, but it wasn't great. And um, um, they, it was blamed on poor promotion. Like MGM Universal Artists were distributor, barely oh, put on, on any screens, left the promotion to Aurora Productions, which you just started out, like did not have that kind of massive budget. Yeah. And uh, possibly most damaging of all, it came out just after E.T., which obviously blew it out of the water. Oh, yeah. E.T. at that point, the biggest film of all time. Oh my God, E.T. Mm. Let's uh, not talk about the game, right? <laughs> no. Uh, anyway, and the studio was basically finished off by the 10-week 1982 anima- animator strike. Uh, there was yeah. a big, like, industry-wide strike. Oh, you, are you aware of this? I'm aware of this. I've heard of this in the 80s. What years. was the strike about? The strike was about uh, bad pay. No. You, Bad you, pensions. You don't know nothing. 
I know nothing, John Snow. I know nothing. No, it was about animation work being sent overseas to cheaper places. Oh, outsourcing. Ooh. Yeah, and essentially uh, the strike was not successful and everything was sent offshore <laughs> almost from then on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, um, studio reforms under the name of the Bluth Group and its next project is Dragon's Lair. Wee. Yeah. Uh, so who came up with the concept? Don? Uh, like, mm. there was a guy called Rick Dyer. Mm. Uh, head of a new gaming company called Advanced Microcomputer Systems, which had just released a puzzle game called Zizix. I believe that's how it's pronounced. It's spelled Z-Z-Y-Z-Z-Y-X-X. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, Dyer had worked for Mattel in the 1970s, first on their handheld games, and then moved on to Intellivision. Yes. The console Mattel released in 1979. Um, you ever played in television? The, unfort- the, 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 uh, the not very successful in television. No, I've never actually played one. I don't know. I've never seen one at an expo, actually. Either. No, I would like to play one one day. I mean, it's a great looking system, and it was initially successful because it had the best graphics on the market. Yeah. Right up until the Atari 5200 surpassed in 1982, and oh. prices of the rival systems went down. They were kind of caught in the middle and couldn't really have an answer to it. Anyway, uh, like so many people at the time, Dyer was a big fan of Adventure, the 1977 text-based computer oh, yeah. role-playing game, mm-hmm. uh, where you could make various choices to drive the game one way or the other. Yep. He created something he called the Fancy Machine, which uh, connected gameplay to a video disc that had still images and narration on. Mm, nice. You can see how this is all kind of starting nice. to come together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, first Laserdisc game um, ever released yep. was in Warner Take Punt. Actually, not released, but the first one ever made. It wasn't Dragon's Lair? Uh, there was one that was being shown at Expos before Dragon's Lair. Oh, now, wow. you're, now, you're, now you're asking. Well, it's not Space Ace. It's that was... Japanese. Oh, Japanese. Oh, then we're never going to get it. <laughs> Are we? No, you Street Fighter the movie. Do you want to take a guess at which company made it? Um, Very famous company. Sega? Yes. Oh. Sega made the first ever laser disc. It was a game called Astron Belt, a spaceship oh. where you have a pixelated ship that flies around like uh, kind of footage of asteroids and shoots enemy spaceships. Oh, it sounds like Silpeed, but like, <laughs> yeah, like an old, much older one. It's like all rendered and realistic film taken from actual real life B movies like Battle Beyond the Stars and Message from Space. And mm. uh, going by YouTube footage, it looks pretty much unplayable. Does it? <laughs> Why yeah. is, why is it, but is it just too? Is it just too blurry? And what? 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 Are just, your, the gameplay your... looks very bad. And oh, okay. yeah. Uh, anyway, um, they couldn't find any takers for the. Uh, so they decided to upgrade the animation, like on the Fancy Machine. Uh, Fancy Machine used a story called Secret of the Lost Woods, and a sequence from that called Dragon's Lair was presented to Luth as concept. Uh, so yeah, a game studio called Cinematronics handled most of the actual programming. They were best known for vector arcade shooting games. Like Star Castle or Cosmic Chasm? No. I'll play those. Yeah. Uh, nope. <laughs> they look great. Like, the kind of vector kind of has that really cool backlighting kind of thing to it. Anyway, nice. um, Advanced Microcomputer Systems, Booth Productions, and Cinematronics each had a third ownership of the game through a, a joint vehicle called Starcom. The game was made on a, a very tight $1.3 million budget. And oh. uh, they got people around the office to do the, the voices in the game. Okay. Oh. That was how tight, the, how tight the budget was. Like, I mentioned, uh, the creation of Starcom. This was because Cinematronics itself was in bankruptcy protection. <laughs> while, no. I guess, advanced microcomputers were new and there was no money to pay Bluth Productions for oh. their work. Oh, man. Oh. Okay. Last you know, chance saloon, it sounds yeah, like. The idea was obviously they would get money on the back end. Since mm. they had a third ownership. Mm. 
Uh, actual game, which I'm sure, which, you know, we, we've all played. Uh, you're a dashing knight called Dirk the Daring, who ha- has to go into the castle of a dastardly wizard. Mm. And, uh. And who dies a lot. Yes, he dies a lot. And the dragon <laughs> yeah. is, you basically have to rescue the princess from a dragon called Singe. Uh, Princess Daphne, you're put into a random series of rooms where Dirk is faced with all kinds of dangers and you have to push the joystick in a certain direction mm-hmm. or push a button exactly the right time to avoid them or fight them and get Dirk out into the next room. Yeah. I was really bad at that game. <laughs> I, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't get far at all. It, it was just impressive though when you saw it. When it's the first, lovely to look at. Oh, it's amazing. I love that animation. When I mean, it was like that, you know, early mm. 80s. Like, Beautiful. Just, yeah, I mean, obviously like, and the, yeah, the animation, animation was stunning and obviously mm. like it was an arcade game, not a home kind of, uh, home, like not a home game. And it's basically an, an interactive animated movie. Yeah. There are 42 rooms altogether. You need to get through 18 in order to finish the game. And they would be in random order until you went, you went to the last one. So yeah. if you were playing at the arcade, you would have different rooms. Oh, really? So you couldn't learn which way to go. That's why, isn't it? Because if, you, if you're if you playing in the arcade, they make more money from randomizing it because yeah. you could just like remember the things, scribble them down, and then everyone could just go to the arcade and like complete it on a quarter, couldn't they? So that's why that's why they had to do that. I would argue there was no better, better looking games at the time. When you think about just the graphics. No, I don't think that's even up for argument. There's, yeah, there's it was so, can... yeah, mm. like ahead of like everything else back there. It was in- absolutely incredible. And I think respect to the people that thought of this formula because it's never been done before really mm-hmm. properly. And yeah. um, they mastered it almost from the first proper game. Yeah, I mean, like obviously heavily influenced in terms of what the actual concept of the game is from like old stories and apparently there's speculation in a very good article by the, the Dot Eaters on Dragon's Lair which I'd recommend I, which I'm leaning on heavily for <laughs> bits of this but, uh, that the game Sorry. may have been like, uh, influenced a lot by a 1981 film called Dragon Slayer never seen that Dragon Slayer rings a bell um, it's just like a it's a sword and like dashing going a crest that kind of stuff Prince saves Princess Yada yeah, yada. I yeah. think like there's kind of swamps and uh, yeah. castles okay. and stuff. Yeah, I love the kind of humour in the game as well because when you got burnt to a crisp, I remember the yeah, the animations are really it, funny it, actually. Yeah, it, the death kills in is it ba- fade to black were terrible, whereas the, the, this game Dragons did it fade right. Fade to black is oh, the, the, the fade to black ones are quite creepy now if you look at them now. But yeah, I suppose that's how not to do it. And yeah, the, yeah, the, the Dragons the Dragons Lair one is, is like like. How to do it. Yeah. yeah, they're very, they are very amusing and very, like, it's it's great to watch. It's not just like yeah. it looks great. The animation is so good. And I, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I mentioned the voices. Like, basically, the one noise, like, Dirk makes more than anything is, ah! Yes. Or some variation on that. Ah! Um, I just remember watching it in the arcades as well, Rob. It just, I just love watching it, people playing it, because, um, I played it myself. I was terrible. <laughs> it is that you can't because you need those kind of reactions. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people didn't like it because if you're, I just I don't know why it comes to mind, but if anyone at home has played Shenmue Two, very similar. So Shenmue has those quick time events, yep. those real time events, and if you don't get them exactly spot on in Shenmue Two, you miss out like chunks of the story, or you've got to do like extra bits mm. before. In the first Shenmue, you can keep on redoing it until you actually pass it, which I much, much, much prefer. But yeah. it's just that kind of I don't have my I'm you know I'm getting old, man. My reflexes are like nothing. Now. <laughs> my arthritis is kicking. My arthritis. I was saying a couple of weeks ago that yeah, okay, I finally got to grips with Road Avenger, but I don't even want to try Dragon's Lair again. It would just go wrong. Oh it would man, go, it would go wrong. Uh, yeah, I think like kind of. 
we, you know, obviously kind of paying attention to that. Like, it, that's why it works so well as an arcade game because yeah. you could you could actually watch it. And yeah. in fact, we'll kind of go into this uh, in a bit, but it was so successful. Uh, they actually, a lot of arcades installed screen, like little miniature screens, like above the games. So, cause there were crowds around it and people wanted to watch what was going on. People just wanted to see how really? that guy or girl was doing. Yeah. Yeah. Or just kind of like, I said something in 1981. It actually came out in 1983. But, um, and, but, still, I mean, it's only a little bit younger than us. Yeah. But like, there's, there's a reason it was still being rebooted for next gen consoles in the mid nineties. Yep. Like it, it, it's a, it looks great. It sounds great too. Um, yep. Anything strike you about the Princess Daphne animation? No, standard Disney-ish. <laughs> oh, it was not standard Disney-ish. Uh, <laughs> if, if you look closely, she has nipples. You can kind of see her <gasps> Beg nipples. Your pardon? How dare you, Rob? Which? How uh, dare you say that? It's true. You can watch it on YouTube, and which I'm, I'm guessing go is not allowed. Right <laughs> not allowed at, at Disney. But she was apparently like they based um, kind of the look of the character on Playboy models. Oh. Um, you've just ruined like a whole part yeah. of my childhood. It's supposed to be an innocent mate. little game, Rob. <laughs> innocent game. Now it's like we're looking at a Playboy. No, model. but it's, it's good old Bluffy boy putting a few fingers up at the old old, old employees, isn't he? I'm going to let you see her nipples. That's, that's how <laughs> Eat I that, Walt. Eat it that. was a different time. Let's just uh, yeah. say that. But uh, you know, we've talked about the good stuff. What about the drawbacks? It's very one-dimensional, isn't it? As a thing. So yeah. one, I think one like qualm that people have about these real-time event games is that there is only one way to play them mm. and when you complete it, it's done, isn't it? <laughs> so that's why even though the other stuff that have been around in the early 80s like Alex Kidd or whatever, that, that gives you direct control. Like you have a joypad, you can move it around. If you're playing like Mario Brothers or whatever, you, you are directly controlling that thing. Yeah. You're not having to mimic what the game is telling you directly to do, isn't it? That, that's that's the biggest drawback of it. I think some people, not me personally, but almost argue it's not even a game. It's it's almost it's an experience. It's an experience, it? and I personally think there is some skill involved in it. But some people I've heard think it, it wouldn't even class it as a game, which is a bit out of order. But it, it, I kind of get their point in the sense where you just have to push the right p- button or go in the right direction. Um, I, I'm not again. I'm not talking about Dragons there specifically, but I've been playing a lot of Space Ace recently. And oh my words, it's a very frustrating, very annoying mm. game. Because, in this, yeah, because yeah, you have to get the timing exactly right as well, don't you? Yeah, oh. if you're like it's not slightly just enough off, to do the right thing. Yeah, if you you're slightly right off, time. you're dead. It's like, oh, you, like with Road Avenger, like you crash into a wall, or with like Dragon's Lair, yeah, you get burnt, or like, you know. Like and we're not talking split slack. seconds, we're, we're taking split milliseconds, it seems sometimes. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's unforgiving. So unf- it's so unforgiving. Yeah. And now if people are trying to play that on HD TVs with lag, they're probably throwing their like controllers right at the telly, not realizing that if they've stuck it on a CRT or something, they'd be doing themselves a bit of a favor. But yeah. even on those, even back in the day, even with like, like a young kid with my like young kid like reflexes are still rubbish. Uh, so yeah, it came out in North America, July 1983. Uh, the, like, just to kind of talk about the release a bit, mm-hmm. they were massively expensive arcade cabinets. $4,000 each, which at the time was obviously huge. But how much, how much, like, how quickly would that paid itself mm. off? Like, well, we'll go into that. It was the first mm-hmm. arcade game to cost 50 cents a go. Oh, oh really? So before it's like, man, two yeah, quarters. Yeah. Might be, say, 20 cents, 10 cents, and now it's all of, yeah, 50. Yeah, and, but apparently. That's yeah, big. but there are still lines. Like, it was so successful yep. out of the gate, there are actually mm. lines in the arcades to play it. That's mad, because you've got all these other stuff, like Robotron oh, or whatever, man. and then you've got, like, bam, like, yeah. well, this well, thing. It, it stood out, didn't it, didn't it? It stood out from mm. the crowd. It was nothing like it. The animation still looks as fresh today as it did back then. I, 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 my eyes, if I was a kid back then, I know we, we were born around that sort mm. of time, but 
you'd be blown away looking at these old asteroids, blocky pixels. All of a sudden, you see animation, real Disney style animation. It would have been Good unbelievable. animation doesn't age badly, does it? No. And in fact, it has. If it's from a certain time, it really evokes that kind of. I love it. That period doesn't. Yeah. It? Huge so. fan. And it was the apparently most successful arcade game in 1983. There was a massive backlog for like cabinets. Mm. The average cabinet, according to Dot Eaters, was bringing in fourteen hundred dollars per week. That is mad. To, to so kind of ask your question whether it was back. worth it, yeah. Uh, which it was 80 times the average at the time. Whoa, man. Yeah. That's even well, better than NBA Jam. And do you know what, though? That gets people into <laughs> arcades more, and they'll, they'll still put some money into other arcades. So it's, it's a really good magnet for, for, for people that wouldn't usually play you arcades. You would have it out. You would have been like, if you were like breadliner like, arcade owner, you'd be thinking, oh, oh man, I've got to get me one of these. <laughs> if I had like a, I don't know, a news agent or even like a, la- a laundrette oh, back yeah, then, I'd chuck one, one in, in there. A dragon's Lair oh, yeah, in the corner. Like a laundrette. Oh, yeah, yeah, come, come to my dragon's Lair laundrette. Can you imagine? Yeah. $4,000 for an arcade game to put in the passive income man passive income but you put it pays for itself that's how uh, Warren Buffett made his money at the start he bought bought a pinball machine then he got the the money from the pinball machine and he bought another pinball machine that's how he got his money passive income man. and I think Warren Buffett bought some more dragon I think he bought half of them (laughs) oh yeah I'll have those I'm making that up by the way but I can see Warren Buffett going this is the money maker now Dragon's Lair baby well it wasn't really that straightforward a money maker because um, you know it wasn't all great (laughs) to get the money out you had to do a puzzle you had to press the right key you had to do a quick you had to press this button oh no you've got to start again (laughs) well there were major reliability issues because we mentioned like they use laser discs laser discs at that time is a very new invention. I yes. believe the first one was made by Pioneer in 1979. Mm. And basically, like, yeah, and they didn't do great out of the gate. In fact, a large proportion of the early ones ended up being used in Dragon's Air arcade cabinets. Ooh. But um, they were only meant for linear playback. Like, and obviously Dragon's Air... Because they had goes, to keep on skipping oh, around, doesn't back it? Back and forth, back and yeah. forth, keep on skipping around. And they would, uh, the, laser, the gas laser and the spindles kept on breaking down no. in relatively short time spans because of that intense use. Can you imagine? Oh. You get to the last broom. I'm going to kill boom. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and uh, not just that. If a uh, player kicks a cabinet, which, you know, Dragon's oh, Air is a massively it. frustrating game, yeah. yeah, it can knock the laser display out of place and that causes it to stop working. Oh, my oh, God. Man. I almost chucked my controller at my Jag recently playing Space Ace and yeah, I can see where people are coming from. Oh. So, uh, I'm guessing we played the home versions. You know, you said that you played the arcade game, right, Adrian? Yeah, I'm, well, I definitely saw it. I was blown away. I think I seen it in some sort of seaside town. But the thing is, Rob, even if they showed it, even if I saw it in the mid-90s, it still stands out. It's yep. got that kind of a look. Before you move on, though, don't forget, um, Stranger Things showed it in an arcade, yes. I think in their second season. I think they got it spot on because there was loads of kids crowded around it. It was like the yeah. big new thing. And they showed, I can't remember the kid with the curly hair, but he was playing it. And Dustin. It, just Dustin? Dustin. He, I think he was playing it. And they got it pretty spot on. So fair play to Stranger Things. They must have dug out one of the few remaining Probably. Like, working, yeah. working Dragon's Lair cabinets. Yeah, um, but uh, no, I've th- played it on some CD. It was on most of the CD consoles, wasn't it, in the yeah. early nineties? I've definitely played it on one of those. Yeah. Well, I think Adrian mentioned the Amiga version. Yeah, that was not played the Amiga version. Did exist, didn't I? I'm not making it yeah, up. No, it did exist. <laughs> like I don't think obviously it, the graphics weren't on the same level as the arcade. Still pretty impressive. Did it work from floppy disk? I believe so. Yeah, I played at my uncle's house first. I did think... you have to keep on swapping the floppy disk? I can't remember. <laughs> it was my uncle's house, but yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, what's generally regarded as the best home version of Dragons there? Mega CD? No. no, but it was on the Mega CD. It was also on the 3DO, but possibly in the only time in history, the CDI had the definitive Ooh, version. The CD, well, the CDI has to have something. Yeah, about... <laughs> I mean, come on. 
we we played it, didn't we, recently? EGX. <laughs> we did, and I I loved the, I loved the feel of the joypad. Yeah, that's all I have to say about the feel. But it was so <laughs> light. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's the same mixed reviews. Uh, from very high to deathly low. Oh. The uh, ZX Spectrum, Amstrad, and Commodore 64 got much, much more scaled-down versions. That's incredible. But like, How did that game even work on those? Like, I don't even know. There were not many like, colors, but like, it was kind of... It was more the concept than yeah. anything else. It wasn't mm. like it wasn't actually a straight conversion. Yeah. Right. It was like you had to kind of push left or right. I didn't even know that like existed on those platforms. I have to check them out now. Uh, yeah, and there were side-scrolling platform games made for the 8 and 16-bit Nintendo consoles as well. What? Yeah. Didn't even know that's that. amazing. Uh, really? Those got some terrible reviews. Ooh. Like Dragon's Lair and the Nairs. That's it, not what Dragon's no. Lair is. Like no. Dragon's Lair is the movie. It's not. Dragon's it's Lair not and the Nairs is possibly one of the lowest reviewed 8 bit games in history. Oh, I want to play it now, in a way. Oh, we've got to get Andy to review that. Yeah. It's like, imagine that same really kind of jerky control system where it just decides to move, kills you, but going from left to right. Ooh. Oh, man. I want to play it in a sort of morbid fascination, but we'll probably pluck our eyes out, won't we? <laughs> Yeah, I think it would. <laughs> so, moving on, uh, sp- t- what was the game that came after Dragon's Lair? Oh, I think I'm, oh. Hold- I think I'm holding it, Robbo. It's a game that's called Don Bluth's Space Ace. That is correct. Yeah. And, do you, like, Dragon's Lair came out in July 1983 in the arcades. Want to take a punt at when Space Ace came out? 1984. October 1983. Ooh, like, literally ooh. Oh, wow, just, same year. Okay. Yeah. They began work on it pretty much as soon as Dragon's Lair was done, and you know, which obviously indicates they knew they were onto a winner. Well, they had the framework, didn't they? So they just had to do new animations and create and a if, story. Yeah, nights to, to space. It makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah. where space is where all things end up. Hashtag Dino Crisis. That's where <laughs> <up>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but by this time, Profiteer and Dragon's Lair is in full flow. There's a board game released by Milton Bradley, Ooh, an animated that. series which we touched on, I think, briefly. When we were talking about the Saturday Super morning supercade, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah we did, bell, yeah, yeah, because uh, they had a space ace cartoon, which we can talk about more. But yeah, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd say just go back to the episode. Oh yeah, no. Dragon's Lair cartoon is actually okay. I watched a couple of episodes in like as part was of the it research. the same quality animation from the game. No, it, there's no way it could be this. That was like cinematic quality. Like yeah. this is, it's not terrible, but it's like it's okay. And the the cartoon for like. For that era is okay, like early 80s post Hanna-Barbera. Mm. But they, one cool thing they do do is they always have a bit or two in the episode where it's like, look, who's facing like this? Should he do this? Or oh, should he do oh, that? They drop and it in. That reminds me of the in. Where's Wally cartoon. Do you remember that? They said, yeah. where's Wally? Where's Wally? And they actually freeze it and you actually have to play the cartoon. I think that's, I love those bits. Interesting. But I wasn't aware of that. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's actually pretty cool. And then like, they go, if Dirk did this, and like they show him like, Basically dying. They can't actually show him dying, but yeah. he would obviously have got killed. Regarding Where's Wally the cartoon, um, um, BBC, the kids, it was on BBC, kids, CBBC, whatever it was, I don't know. And they actually done a competition and they said, send us in a cart, uh, like a competition card. It's got to be a cartoon, your favorite cartoon. And me and me and my friend Adam, we do, we did a Where's Wally, Where's Wally? Yeah. And we sent it in and we heard no reply. <laughs> we, we wanted a Blue Peter badge. Did you actually see the ones that were featured? Yeah, I just thought the Where's Wally was quite good because we did a picture saying Where's Wally. I think it was the Wall of the Wizard, okay. and then hidden in the back was 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 uh, Wally. I can never find Wally. That's that's, <laughs> that's one thing. That's that's an interesting or non-interesting thing about me. 
I well, find. I didn't get a blue Peter badge either, so we're both quite sad about this particular story. Oh, yeah. yeah, but anyway, like there, there was a lot of franchising going on, lunchbox level stuff, basically. Like mm. uh, Cinematronics, which was promoting the game, ended up again, take the Dot Eaters article, ended up grossing thirty-two million dollars by early nineteen eighty-four, and Starcom had sold forty-three million dollars of systems. Nice. Yeah. Uh, slightly increased budget for Space Ace, two million dollars this time, and again they got blue staff members to do the voices. Uh, and Bluth himself voices. Do you want to take a guess, Adrian? Yeah, the weird, ugly, genie-looking monster thing. There. Commander Borf. That is correct. Oh. Uh, and what? Good like, guess, mate. Yeah, Adrian has like the actual CD game with him. So, Adrian, what? Like, if what's on the back of the box? Back of the oh, box. No. You have to actually sing the song. Which one though? His or yours? My one. Oh no! Back of the box, back of the box. That's I can't remember the, the song. So it's back of the box. <laughs> that's, not, that's not how the song goes, Adrian. I'm, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to skip back of the box. <gasps> anyway, oh. what? <laughs> as if, as if, as if. Read it out. Read out. Are you ready for this? This is the Jaguar CD version, so it might be slightly different to everyone else's version. Basically, why have you bought this game? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, it says here: ReadySoft presents an what's that? Epicenter interactive production. Don Blue Space Ace. The evil commander, Borf, has kidnapped Ace's girlfriend, the beautiful Kimberly, and is plotting to enslave Earth using his un... What's that? Dreaded... In- they, can't, they can't even get a good font. <laughs> no, it's a really weird font, actually. His dreaded Infanto Ray, a weapon that changes everyone it blasts into a helpless baby. Armed with only a laser gun, Ace must find and destroy the Infanto Ray, rescue Kimberly, and save Earth. All in a day's work for a superhero, right? Featuring full screen, full screen animation and crisp, powerful sound from the original Laserdisc arcade classic Space Ace delivers arcade action at its most addictive. Look, honestly, it's all in uh, capital fonts, but the the actual where it should be a real capital is bold. Can you oh, see yeah. that? Oh god, that's weird. Can you yeah. see that, Rob? How weird is that? Yeah, it is quite unusual. It's quite hard it's to quite read. Space Ace, you would say. It's Space Acey. There you go. Yeah, uh, one thing that Back of the Box left out was um, Dirk himself has been... Sorry, not Dirk, but, you know, they're very similar. Ace himself has been uh, zapped with an Infanto Ray, causing him to revert to a nerdy teenager called Dexter. No! <laughs> it's like Dwayne Dibley, isn't it? Yeah, it's Dwayne Dibley all over, like, no! <laughs> yeah, and uh, basically he has to kind of save her and... Like zap Borf with the infant. You finish the game by zapping Borf with the infanto ray, and he turns into a baby. Nice. Oh, a Borf baby. baby. He trying to baby you, and you babied him. Now yeah. all babies are supposed to be quite cute and quite nice, but that's one baby you wouldn't want to see, right? No, I don't. I don't like. I guess I can take or leave babies. There was a really annoying kid on the Boom. train up here, but a baby Borf. <sighs> can you imagine? There's a knock on the door, Rob. Wait, look. And it, you'd open the door and you see a baby left in a basket and it's a little baby Borth, the ugly sort of sort of demon looking thing. And there's a little note saying, I can't look after my baby. Please look after my baby Borth. Will you care for him like he's your own? What would you do, Rob? I'd phone up social services and get them to <laughs> oh. Like, there's no way that kid's no mine. Heart, Rob. I don't have blue no skin. <laughs> you know, and also it doesn't look to me like a genie. If it was a baby genie and it would grow up to like grant me wishes, then maybe, but... Oh, yeah, wouldn't that be sweet? Borf's quite smart, though. You have to, you, maybe you could, you know... But he's also quite evil, we've well, yeah. established. You could have like an evil enterprise. <laughs> it could be like an entrepreneur, but like the Death Star or something. What? Sounds like so much effort. <laughs> oh, mate. Oh, you're not... Long game, Rob. Long game. That's even before we get into the effort of actually taking care of the kid as a single <laughs> father. 
yeah. But yeah, anyway, like, uh, how is Space Ace different from Dragon's Lair, would you say? Like, obviously it's very similar gameplay, but what's different? Uh, it's set in space. <laughs> that is true, but, uh, like, um, there are three difficulty levels. Oh. Space Cadet, oh. Space Captain, or Space Ace. Maybe that's not in the Jag version. Maybe I'm. I need. I need to pick the easier version then, because I found it difficult, dude. I have to say. Yeah, I mean, it is obviously very difficult, but I think it's more the, those are the levels of room, the number of rooms you kind of go through. Oh, so it doesn't give you like more time to press the right sort of button and stuff. I'm not. I couldn't find that. It just, sure, but... just gives you more rooms. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Right. But uh, maybe the Jag C- yeah, maybe the Jag CD was just like you're gonna have the minimum amount of rooms, and this is what we're gonna you get. are dead in about two seconds. You Good luck. Dead. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well like. The issue with Space Ace was that even though the animation and the sound was even better than Dragon's Lair, and it yeah. looks amazing even it, today, yeah. mm. and you're like you're in space, you get you get to fly a spaceship and stuff, but the action is faster, which makes the gameplay even trickier. Oh yeah, even though like there's more visual clues on screen to guide decisions, like arrows and like light up kind of things. Yeah, I found like little blocks with flash, and that's where you have to go. And it, yeah. I was like, oh yeah, but I pressed it and I always pressed it too many times because the next feature I kept you understand it carries on your actions yeah that's what I was like left no not left again don't mash the buttons dude it's all about slinky slinky presses Mm. I'm not slinky man you don't get a slinky man yeah and uh, the other kind of thing is at certain points the light in the screen will alert the player they can energise back to ace like back to the adult uh, making the character bigger and stronger Mm. meaning you can fight enemies instead of just avoiding them well, that's go. good to know. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> All this stuff that you've, you've got past the first five minutes. Like if, I got into this spaceship. I got into the spaceship for the flying bit. There you go. Well yep. done. Which is not that far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I believe it may have been more linear than the other one. I'm not 100% sure on that. But um, All I know is I love the look of it. But when it says... It just restarts again. It's like, you... I can't remember the starting bit now, but oh my God, that bit is ingrained in my brain. It's like, oh man... Oh. How do you think it did? Not as good. Not, still good, though. That is, people, cor- that is correct, yeah. It's <laughs> not good. good. <laughs> it's okay. Um, yeah, uh, I'd say three quarters is good. Uh, no, it only did 13 million in sales. Though obviously, that oh. was still respectable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, different yeah. reports about whether the game was offered to arcade lo- owners as like just a standalone cabinet, whether the option of an upgrade kit Ooh. to their Dragon's Lair cabinets. Like, I... Wikipedia says one thing, Dot Eaters says the, another. Just like switching the, the disc. And yeah, you'd be able to switch it into changing the... Changing the, the facade yeah. like, bit. Well, do you remember in regular show, they had a great episode about the laser, the, the, old, the old formats, they had to do a big battle, and laser discs were in there. Yes. That? Uh, vaguely? Oh, yeah, <laughs> with like DVD and VHS. And... Yeah. Oh, laser disc. And yeah, the Betamax. Was... Yeah, and I think laser disc was the, the ultimate one, yeah. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Adrian being a man of business. Oh, go on then, chuck it out. Would you choose the screw you? I'm just going to do this as a, like a cabinet, otherwise you don't have it. Or would you do the whole? Yeah, you can upgrade your or change your Dragon's Lair thing to, to this. Um, speaking as an environmentalist, there you go. I'm all environmental. Think, yeah. think about having a massive arcade cabinet that, that has to be thrown, not thrown away, but you can almost reuse. Surely that's much more economical and environmentally friendly. Yes. So I'm going with the old Switcheroonie. Right. But. If, well, I guess if they had the choice to be different, but you know the other kind of thing is you can have both. Ooh. Yeah, you want kind of want both because yeah, you need to change the panning, wouldn't you? You couldn't have the old. Can you yeah. imagine playing? Oh, why has it got why has it got Dragon's Lair stuff all <laughs> around it? I'm playing the bloody. I don't you know. know how easy those bits are actually to take off, but that that would have required some foresight when they were making the Dragon. Oh, Velcro's! Cabin. They could have put like Velcro stuff on it, and you go. Velcro it. Then anyone could could like take it off. 
Uh, yeah, they could just like have that as like a souvenir. Anyway, <laughs> I'm taking that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, by spring 1984, the laser disc craze is starting to peter out in our case, and can't compete with like how successful Dragons there was basically. No. Yeah. Because people don't talk about Space Ace as much. No. It's I not put, iconic. No. It's not iconic. It's just the thing that kind of happened after Dragon's Lair that no one really remembers. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, what happened next? Like, but, well, that was uh, a rhetorical what question. Next? I, I'm going to... If you make it... When, you're a, when you do a good thing, you think, I'm going to make a whole new game or a new movie. It's going to be a whole different direction. It doesn't work as well. You go back to the original. I'm going to make Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> Jurassic Park 2. Oh, God. So, you make Dragon's Lair 2, right? Uh... Yes and no. Oh. Like, what happened in 1983? In, I mean, obviously lots of things, but in video games. Oh, the video game crash, right? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's true. The video game crash hits cinematronics and they freeze $3 million of royalties to the Bluth Group, Ouch. which is once again forced to declare bankruptcy. <gasps> oh, my God, oh, Don. For the love of God, Don. There was some footage developed for a Dragon's Lair sequel, and by some I mean most of, like, the, they actually oh. done the animation for most of the game. Oh, wow. Which eventually came out in 1991... That's a Dragon's Lair Time Warp. That's mad. I didn't even know that thing existed. Well, I'm glad it came out. By a company called uh, the Leland Corporation. A uh, low-level arcade game manufacturer. Basically, apparently 80% of the animation had been done in 1984, and Blue continued to work on it through the 80s. Like It was a big passion project for him. Wow. Oh, good on him. Yeah. Uh, the plot of the game. Get it D- done. Dirk and Daphne have married and had a shed load of kids who look like one or the other. <laughs> but she's kidnapped by another evil wizard who wants to marry her and turn her like into an evil monster. Oh, like sounds he, like Shrek. God, when he likes like, like ring, ring on her finger, like she turns like a big ogre monster. Maybe it is like Shrek. I don't Shrek know. ripped it off. Yeah. Damn you, Shrek. Imagine Shrek, the kind of, you got to choose which direction you go in Shrek. They should do a Shrek. No, they shouldn't. They, but, yeah. <laughs> Sliding doors of video game. Oh, we, we spoke about that. Sliding doors of video game. <laughs> <laughs> is that like the first sliding doors kind of thing? Is Do you want Gwyneth Paltrow or Shrek to be the lead character? <laughs> yes. press, press left for Gwyneth Paltrow, press right for Shrek. Shrek gets doors. to marry John Hanna in the end. <laughs> John Hanna loves a bit of Shrek. Oh, Come John on. Hanna. He loves him. Uh, so, so anyway, like he has to chase after them. He has to use a well-worn time machine, travel through time and across dimensions to get her back. So obviously a lot more variety in the levels. Uh, progression is through linear levels rather than random. Mm. Uh, but like you get, can you get full levels? Like full, well, I think that's better. Kind of because if you play in arcades, you, you, sometimes you memorize the levels if you want to play it again. Exactly, I think yeah. that's fairer, personally. Yeah. Yeah, um, like, you know, the animation looks probably even better than the first mm. one, like, so ambitious. There's one where, like, you're kind of, you're like, you're like in miniature and you're running around this kind of office of, like, Beethoven who's composing a kind of thing and you have the cats chasing after you. That sounds pretty mad. Yeah, um, yeah, like, animation again looks obviously great. Uh, maybe too great because it's even harder to concentrate on the precise movements necessary because there's just so much on the screen going on. Ooh. I think that's why my Where's Wally thing didn't... It was just too 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 out there. It was too out there. There was too many things going <laughs> See, on. CBBC were like, this they were guy like, is too good. These are experts. They were like, people will not get this. Like, <laughs> yeah. No. yeah uh, Bluth Productions, meanwhile, been going from strength to strength. After second bankruptcy, he teamed up with Emergence and Acquisition <laughs> Specialist. Just up the bankruptcy. But, you know, neither of those are really the, the fault of the studio. Like, right. you know... Mm. Yeah, I mean, they kind of, like, predicted the game crash and things like... Yeah, I mean, like, royalties frozen? That's not cool. That's mad, isn't it? Come on. Yeah, uh, they teamed up with a mergers and acquisition specialist called Morris Sullivan and formed Sullivan Blue Studios. Mm. Uh, first big release by them is An American Tale in 1986. That was successful, wasn't it? A lot of people thought that was a Disney film, didn't they? It, was, yeah. it looked just like a Disney film, and it was mm. very, very good. Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, we all that, watched it. I think at that time... Huh? 
We've all watched, We've all watched it. Was it like a Russian mouse, wasn't it? it? That came to America. I it's, think it's so. Yeah. Yeah. It may. Have, it was. I think Fire the biggest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it. it may have actually been the the. <laughs> hi- yeah, it was one of the highest grossing animated films of all time yeah. at the time. It, I wouldn't say it's my favorite animation film, but it's certainly was, it's got layers to it. It's not just stupid story. It's actually got quite a lot of depth to it. So fair play. Yeah, it was very successful, and uh, the next film that came out was even more successful: The Land Before Time. Oh yeah, two years later. Both were, those films were produced uh, in partnership with Steven Spielberg's Amblin Entertainment. Nice. And both were big hits. It ain't nice. no Dexter the Last Dinosaur, though, just saying. Dexter. No, hold on. Huh? No, that Dexter's in Space Age. You think of Denver the Last Dinosaur. Denver. Denver. <laughs> <laughs> like, Dexter the Last <laughs> He was your friend Dinosaur. and a whole lot more, and you couldn't even remember that. Oh, <laughs> yeah, mate. Guilty. Come on, Aiden. Uh, yeah, I, uh, next film after Land Before Time, All Dogs Go to Heaven, comes out in 1989, uh, is hmm. overshadowed a bit by The Little Mermaid. But does well on video. Rob, just just sorry to interrupt, but don't you just think he's got these big hitters, some big IPs now. And I don't like using that word when it comes to creativity. But why didn't he? Why didn't good old Donny Boy make like a Land Before Time a game, or even an American Mouse game? There was, isn't it like that kind of? I don't know if it's based in Land Before Time. Isn't it like that that game that always gets put in YouTube compilations, the meme kind of thing? No, 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 that one. Don't know it. Okay. Gone straight over my I'll head. Show you, I'll show you it after. I think maybe because, the, 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 like Rob said, with the Laserdisc thing, and Laserdiscs being in arcade machines, that yeah. thing was done after the crash. It didn't, it wouldn't have been a thing. Yeah, but you would like to play as, is it Fido? Fivel! Fivel! Turn right with Fivel or turn right left. <laughs> no. You, oh, do you really want to see Fivel killed no, over and no, over and over that, again? That, that, that film breaks my heart as it is. So no. You watch no. the sequel? No, I don't want to. I don't. I don't like crying. Yeah, don't make us cry, make cry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, that old dog's gonna heaven does okay, but not great. And unfortunately, uh, there's a series of flops throughout the nineties. Like, yeah. like many things in culture, Don Blue did not make the jump to the nineties successfully. Oh, uh, Don. The first flop of which was called Rockadoodle. <laughs> it's. This it, sounds rubbish. It looks terrible. Did Don, did Don dresses like the Miami, the Miami Vice guys for like the whole of the nineties <laughs> as well, and people were like Don, come on, man. I don't. He like they were to, to uh, Don Johnson. Yeah, like, it's, yeah like, so it's like David Bowie. He Don, found it Don hard, Johnson. didn't he, to to crack eighties early on? David Bowie, but he sort of came back eventually. Well, he was great. He was like his, at his most popular in the eighties, like mm-hmm. Let's okay. Dance, China oh, B- Girl, Bee Gees, then, Bee Gees. Can you imagine a Bee Gees game? <laughs> Night fever, turn left to right. Jive talking that way. Jive talking that way. Yeah. I think, you know, like, like the eighties. Sorry, the eighties was such a distinctive kind of cultural decade. Yeah. So many things. I think people all kind of just yeah. find it really difficult to make their jump. Like most of the hair metal bands, Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, kind of. I'm not mm. like kind of saying to do these like kind of people down. Just it was tricky. Mm-hmm. Well, we were pretty cool in the eighties ourselves. Let's be honest, the nineties. Cool kids. <laughs> we were like crisscross. I cool. struggled. I struggled. Yeah, I was like crisscross with my backwards <laughs> jeans. Isn't that right, Rob? Crisscross used to wear their jeans backwards. I think so. That was. They like... always used to have to walk backwards. Then. <laughs> I don't think so. Cool. The stitching would have been wrong. Their ass would have been on their crotch. Like how would they? How would that have worked? They were kids, so I guess they could get into. They fit differently. I don't just know. got like adult jeans. Yeah. You've sussed it. Well done. Rob <laughs> sussed it. That's why that's why he's the brains of the Our operation. listeners have been waiting a whole week for this. They finally got the answer. <laughs> Two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks, sorry. <laughs> anyway, uh like Bluth eventually moves to Fox to run their newly set up animated film division and uh has a hit with Anastasia. 
Oh yes, of course. That 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 kind of never seen it. It's a little bit like um, uh, Avatar kind of setting, isn't it? Kind of all rainforesty and stuff, right? No, Anastasia <laughs> oh. was about the um, <laughs> Anastasia. You're thinking what of you're something thinking that... of is Avatar. <laughs> No, um, Anastasia was about like the Russian, this woman who claimed to be, be like oh. a long lost Russian princess. <laughs> in the rainforest. In, in, it, was, it was a real life thing. Like, yeah. There was a rainforest animation, wasn't there? Fern Gully, is that right? Yeah, that's, that's what you're thinking of. Or they maybe... sound similar. <laughs> that came out years before. That was Fern Gully, the last rainforest, is it? <laughs> the last rainforest. I'm going to stop talking. Yes, let's stop. let's stop. Anyway, like after Anastasia, uh, he made a film called Titan AE. Which uh, did not do well at all. Nah. Matt Damon's like the lead voice. Matt Damon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it it was a massive flop. But um, the studio was going to be closed anyway. Oh. And he hasn't really done a lot more um, since then. Don Bluth Multimedia oversaw over, uh, oversaw the release of Dragon's Lair Three, oh. The Curse of Mordred for PC Amiga Mordred's and Atari ST two thousand three. Oh, I didn't even know there was a third Dragon's Lair game. Oh, you're just blowing my mind right now. Uh, mostly generally uses leftover footage from Time Warp that couldn't fit into that port. <laughs> and like PC Amiga, Atari ST were not like high grade kind of things. I'd say 2003. If, I think I got the date wrong. It must have been like a decade before or something. Yeah, it's yeah. got to be 90. Can you imagine the only reason the Amiga like 10 years later? Yeah, they're like, yes, we're going to, oh, with that 2003. Like the Amiga. The home with, with floppy disks. Just the way forward, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's what, yeah. Don Bluth, man. Come on, get with the times, dude. Don Bluth. He's also involved with Dragon's Lair 3D, Return to the Lair, which came out on Xbox GameCube and PS2 Already? in 2002. That How sounds bad. How many of these games are there? This is more of like a first-person action platformer, so oh. like you kind of you would be you could control Dick to go wherever you wanted in the castle. You can actually go left if you want to go left. Yeah. Oh my god! Can you even <laughs> believe I, that would just blow my mind? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my mind's to, been blown enough today. Came out to mediocre reviews. Oh, like surprisingly, not really been a new Dragon's Lair game since. That probably was the nail in the coffin, then, wasn't it? Whenever you put 3D in front of something, after a while, it, it, yeah. Earthworm Jim. Well, no, they're coming back, aren't they? Earthworm Jim 3, but I know what you mean. Oh, Bubsy yeah. 3D. Bubsy 3D. <laughs> oh, yeah, funny. but what of Rick Dyer and Advanced Microcomputer Systems? What of him? They tried to channel the success of Dragons there into their own home console, which was ba- would have been based on the fantasy machine. They were going to do a, a whole console with Dragons there type games. Just based on, though, that would have lasted five minutes. The Halcyon was set to be released at the start of 1985 and would have had voice-activated controls and a laser disc built in with an attached computer. So very realistic. Uh, retail cost of $2,500. <laughs> it was obviously never made. Uh, only a dozen prototypes still exist, all of which belong to either collectors or celebrities. That's mad. They must be worth way more than that. Oh, yeah, they're worth a massive. Tens There's only 12. Uh, yeah, at least. Tens I would of thousands, say. 12 of made. That's mad. That's rare than the Jack CD. This re- is, yeah. that is, we found something that's rarer than the Jack CD. Yeah, right. yeah um, there were, I think, three or four games that they were being worked on, uh, one of which was an American football game called Raiders vs. Chargers. Okay. Fair the, the, it was one of two games ever... Uh, two games no, no, the Raiders completed. and the Chargers, man. Come on, everyone at home is going, oh. Give me the Jags any day. Jags, baby. Lol. Yeah, it was one of two games completed. The other one was a game called Thayer's Quest. Uh, if you no, no, uh, no. Oh, sorry. It went into arcades. Eventually, the PC, CDI, 3DO, or those kind of like no, computers. It's it. based. It's a bit like, I guess, Dragon's Lair, but more open ended, like more almost point and clicky, okay. and also really, really nerdy, like D and D, like uh, RPG nerd stuff. 
Nerds. We love RPGs and D&D. Nerds. We're nerds. <laughs> it was rejig- It was rejigged for a game called uh, Shadowan in 1996, which is notable for its huge $3 million, well, for $3 million budget, like, uh, was very expensive, fairly well received. Didn't really pull up any trees, though. Oh. Uh, yeah, Laserdisc games, meanwhile. Uh, the first yes. wave of Laserdisc games is effectively over by 1985. Probably the most notable ripoff of Dragon's Lair was a Japanese manga-flavored game called Time Gal. Aha, Time Gal. Yeah, I mentioned it briefly in the... Uh, Mega CD? You were a fan CD of Time Gal. Did you enjoy it? Um, I still haven't managed to play it. But it got, I remember getting, it getting really good reviews, actually. It hit, um, it, yeah, it hit the arcades in 1984, and it is... But it was... I think it wasn't even buttons. I think Time Gal was just directions, wasn't it? I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it was like, it was, I think, direction, direction, or button. Yeah. And it just, like, you had those orbs and they flashed. And yeah. Basically, yeah. Yeah, uh, when the arcades in 1984, it is entertaining, especially if you like long-legged anime girls with seaweed-colored hair, <laughs> shooting things and shrieking in Japanese. I could go for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, the character is obviously heavily ripped off from Yurisei Yatsuo. It's like the one of the big anime shows of the 80s. Whoa. Why not? Why not? Why yeah. not? Gonna get, you never get done for anything like that in the 80s. Yeah. You can get, you can get away with it. <laughs> exactly. But, but you can like watch all the stuff, Dragon's Air, Space Ace, Time Girl, whatever, on YouTube because mm. they have the entire kind of sequence with like the deaths. And it's not, it's like 20 minutes long. Dragon's Lair is like 27 minutes long. It's mad, isn't it? They're so short, but because they, yeah. by randomizing, they, they give you like, yeah, and like, that you can finish Dragon's Lair in six minutes. Wow. You know. Like a speedrunner. But you'd still have to wait 20 minutes to watch the, uh, well, no, it's got 27 minutes of footage in total. Oh, but okay. you, you don't need to like, get through every single just, one to finish have, it. So right. to, to get to the end, you just get through six minutes of footage. That reminds me a little bit. It's a bit off topic, but there's a Futurama game. We've heard about this on the PS2 and Xbox, I think. And it's no. supposed to be quite good. Uh, next time I go to a, a CEX, where I might pick up a couple of quid or whatever. And apparently in that game, there is, an, there is a whole episode. But when you play the game, you see like a few minutes here and there. But you can actually watch a brand new Futurama episode that's only been sort of aired from that game. That's cool. Yeah, so I might actually one day because I like we're fans of Futurama. Might do might might yeah. buy that game. Well, we, yeah, it's 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 amusing. It's it's Doctor Zoidberg at his best, but we we might love um, Zoidberg. You um, even dressed up as Zoidberg I did one year. Sorry, sorry, Rob. It wasn't for a party. You just dressed up as him just for <laughs> just for, <laughs> just, for <laughs> just for just for the hell of it. <laughs> I look a little bit like Fry, so there you go. But I might actually try and pick it up and talk about that one day. It'd be quite interesting. Do it. Yeah, and uh, I want to hear about Time Gal. Yes. Uh, maybe not because I don't think we're going to do another Mega CD pod, but oh, maybe well. we'll, we'll shoehorn Time Gal in somewhere in the future. <laughs> yeah. Basically, the plot of Time Gal is you're like a space cop. You're like a future space cop, cop gal. like chasing a criminal through time. And you have to, you basically start out in like the dinosaur era and go forward in time for each level. It looks pretty mad. But yeah, I need to have a proper go at it. Like, uh, obviously, that kind of Laserdisc game kind of died out to some extent. Uh, eventually made a little bit of resurgence in the early 90s. Uh, with rail shooters made by a studio called American Laser Games, the most famous of which was... No. I'm guessing you would, you two would have actually played it. It was that famous. No. I certainly played it. Mad Dog McCree. Oh, yeah, yeah. We Mad like, Dog McCree. We are fans. Which uh, gave its name to a terrible band, like a terrible banjo band that I keep seeing on Spotify. Fair enough. If you're going to name your band after something, do it. There's actually a band called Apollo Creed. I'm not even joking. Apollo Creed. That's a good name for a band, isn't it? Dolph Lundgren. There's a Dolphin. <laughs> Club Langer. <laughs> Club Lang, even. I feel like Apollo Creed would be a better name if no one had heard of Apollo Creed. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Apollo Creed. Anyway, we're getting sidetracked. Yeah. Carry on, sir. But Sorry. anyway, it's a very brief resurgence and has never really kind of been back. I mean, what is what do we think as a whole about the whole kind of genre of laziness games? It's fascinating now because if, yeah. we, if you think of, if we're like 
historians, it's quite an important mm-hmm. thing, an important development. Yeah, they're massive. Yeah, they're cumbersome. Yeah, they don't work. They're yeah. unreliable. But it's just, it's just a nice. I would like to. Yeah. If I was into collecting those kind of things, I would. I would get one. Stress levels are not good for your stress levels. Yes. What I, I like, I, I don't play the game so much. I just kind of look at it and just kind of yeah. like take the discs out of the sleeves and just kind of, oh, this looks I, nice. There's like a laser active outrun. Do you know what, though? When I was playing Space Ace, I I was getting angry, but I was feeling more sorry for my wife behind me. She's like, you died again. I was like... (laughs) every second, You were going to throw the controller at her, and you were like, oh, yeah, whoa. (laughs) Why'd you keep dying? It's not that easy. Well, you could make... I mean, look at something Mad Dog McCree, where it has, like, film... You know, like, you literally in real life, film kind of quality footage. You can make the argument that actually... The next kind of... It's actually due for resurgence. The the first phase of which would have been Bandersnatch. Bandersnatch. Which we did a whole episode on. Yeah, you do have the, cho- the the choices and stuff. It's not. Uh, it's we actually didn't we? We saw a game at Ejection and someone didn't drop called Death Trap Dungeon. Yes, uh, Cambridge is involved in that. Good old and, uh, friend and of the Eddie show. Martin. Yeah, uh, and Ian Livingston wrote the novels. Have you heard of uh, Death Death Trap Dungeon? I think it's nope. like, a bit like Choose Your Own Adventure books, but a bit more D and D, like rolling dice. Yeah. And um, again, this game is pretty interesting. You got you read the story and you have to. Basically, it's uh, what's Eddie this? reads it. Ed, it's Eddie Martin. He's, uh, he's been in like yeah. Sherlock Holmes and stuff. Eddie Martin. So he's like he reads the passages. Yeah. And then you have the. The, so rather than the book, you've got the two kind of options. Things. Yeah, so that is pluck out back, right eye or pluck out left eye, and you you chose the wrong eye. I didn't chose you? the right eye and I died. Yeah, so yeah, but it's a bit like attention. that in a way, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is very much like that. Like that. But I think... as well, yeah, because obviously you get to the points in Bandersnatch where you've got to like do something with Stefan or like, eat the frosties or eat the smash your dad cocoa in the pops. face or yeah, eat the cocoa cocoa pops yeah. or. Sugar That's the important decision. Let's get That's, right. mate, these are important decisions. You know, what, what the hell cereal do I eat in the morning? You know, this is, <laughs> yeah, this is but, important stuff. But yeah, I think like we are going to kind of be seeing more of those kind of things in future whether it's entertainment based or game Netflix, based I think isn't it that's why that's where it's making the resurgence is like because and there was something else as well before Bandersnatch there was one of the cartoons did the same thing so that's why the Black Mirror guys were like okay yeah let's do the Bandersnatch well I think thing. we start, I don't know if we if I remember to say this in the episode but mm. the first kind of people to do that were a band for a music video uh, Chairlift did a that song called a Met Before. I think which you is, mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, very good. And you, if you watch on YouTube, you can click either side of the screen to like choose one decision or the yeah. other. I hear they've got a good version of Stairway to Heaven. Oh. Oh. Chairlift. Chairlift to Heaven. Oh, okay. To- yeah, I got, <laughs> I got that. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, like basically to, to kind of sum up, I think we are going to see more of that stuff in the future and maybe... You, we can look at Dragon's Heirs being the great great grandfather of all that stuff, and hopefully, Rob, um, it hasn't happened yet. But uh, one of the big programmers on Dragon's Heir and Space Ace, David Foster, um, is up for an interview. Great. So maybe when this is sent out, we might have a, a, an accompanying text interview. So brilliant. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK at KeithBarlow82 and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top 10, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. 
Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes, where you can also leave us a review and a rating, which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.